This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, whether that's Rovers throwing in a drab nil-nil in the Championship or taking Newcastle all the way to a penalty shootout in the fifth round of the FA Cup, You'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So, the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants 18+. plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. It's great to see a lot of fans. I want to thank our fans for the season so far. Um, there's been a behind the team. Uh, I think they have enjoyed this. When the disappointment and emotion is gone, it will not be gone tomorrow, but it will take a couple of days. And I think everybody will look back on a, on, a, on, a, on a very good season. listening to the 4000 holes podcast brought to you by the people at brfcs.com and sponsored by the lovely people at the terrace Hello and welcome to the 4,000 Holes podcast, the What Now show here with myself, Roger White. So joined this week for an end of season special with a bumper panel, the usual guests, Ian, James and Matt, also joined by Linz Lewis and Ryan Hildred Grit have everybody with us this evening. We're going to get straight into today's podcast because it's going to be hopefully an extensive one with plenty to cover and I'm going to come straight to the panel. We're going to start this week's topics with the season highlights for the season just gone 2022-23 and I come to you first Ian a highlight the stuff on the field and the stuff off the field I think that I will, I will make mention of let's just let's just once again say off the field there is some terrific work being done to try and engage with the local community whether that's through the work that um, Yasa does or whether it's through the the community trust I, I think we should like call that call that out and make uh, make mention and give credit to the people that are behind that because it's it's not easy getting folks to come down to Ewood. And, you know, the club is definitely 
trying to do lots of things like that. There's some way to go, but I think, yeah, well, let's give credit where it's due on that. But on-field, um, this is a particularly... I suppose it's one that, that resonates with me because I, it's, I went down to Swansea. I know I've mentioned it on previous episodes of the podcast early in the season for the first away game uh, to stay with um, with friends down there. We had a long weekend in Swansea. The sun was shining, the wine was flowing, and Rovers were scoring goals for fun. So I thought, this is great. The season's just kicking off in the finest of fine styles. I'm going to really enjoy it. And yeah, we're in, that, in the middle of that little burst at the beginning of the season where we had those consecutive wins. I thought life couldn't get any better than that. And it, that probably was the high point of the season. So those are my highs. Excellent. Ian, uh, James, come to you next. You're next on the list. A season highlight for you for 2022, 2023? Uh, the FA Cup run. I thought that was really exciting to be a part of. Obviously, the win at Leicester and then narrowly missing out Sheffield United. Um, but I think the Leicester performance in particular really made me feel proud of the players. Um, it was just a really good all-round performance. So that was, FA Cup runs my highlight. Linz, uh, coming to you next. So the most recent podcast that we did, we talked about uh, highlights at Ewood. Obviously, a lot of highlights coming away from Ewood Park this season. You travel extensively up and down the country watching the team. Is your highlight from a journey away from Ewood? It absolutely is. Um, I think the highlight at Ewood is the brownie stall in the Blackburn end. If people <laughs> haven't ate from there, I would recommend doing so. Um, yeah, my highlight is West Ham away. Just the the game of the season for me and probably one of my favourite Rovers memories ever. Um, just the most special away and the most special of performances, the most special of results. Uh, and watching my boy Ben come on and make such a such a difference. The highlight was was definitely West Ham for me. I know anybody who follows you on Twitter will know that you've shed tears, happy tears, at several games this season. That would be one of them, would it? The, uh, oh, the I cry everywhere I go. This isn't news. I cry three times a day in my life, so this isn't news. But yes, I was stood on a chair at West Ham crying, um, just watching them all enjoy themselves and play with that freedom. And I think at that time it was still really, really exciting. Um, so, yeah, there, there were some happy tears there, but that's not an unusual thing. So, uh, Ryan, come to you next. Uh, well, thanks for having me on the podcast and um, always great to, to have a chat with you guys. Uh, I'm going to hone in on the FA Cup as well, and I'm going to single out the Sheffield United game. As difficult as that result was to swallow, it's not very often we have, you know, 6,000 away fans in an away end in we were in full voice and in that second half when Sam Smodic scored, you know, that was a real special moment. And there's been a few times where I've been nearly at tears at games, Linz, and uh, that Sheffield United one was one that was bringing me close to that, actually, when it felt like we were going to do it, it felt like we were going to get that Wembley trip. But I thought that was a really, really special day. There was something in the air that day, but then... Obviously, I have to remember whenever we go to South Yorkshire, whether it's Sheffield or Rotherham, obviously the footballing gods take over, don't they? So reality set in. But for a moment in that game, it felt really great, really special. So as much as we lost, it was a great day, a really good one. Excellent. Matthew, come to you last. I know you've joined a bit of the short straw with this uh, first trip round the panel. In terms of highlights, anything that's not been mentioned? No, it's, um, it's, it's I mean, it's just the, the Leicester game. It's the, it's one of the best Rovers games I've ever been at. The, the Smolik's goal, it, it, you know, you, you watch it back. I've watched it back a million times. It's lucky that he's got through and I'll not say it isn't, but I mean, the amount of chances that we missed 
before that, I mean, Hedges missed one very early on in the second half. I thought, you know, this is going to come back to bite us. And just the sheer relief when, when we scored and his knee sliding into the corner towards us, you know, it's something that I'll never forget that feeling. And I think it's, it's probably my best, one of my best Rovers memories ever, never mind this season. I think I'd be uh, echoing that for myself. It was uh, amazing to be there on the night. And I've not actually watched back the first sort of 10, 15 minutes of the second half from that game since I saw it live. But it felt like we could have had about six goals in that first 10 minutes. And head were in my hands when uh, Ryan Hedges missed what I thought was our chance to get through. And then, of course, like you said, Smodix actually had two other good chances. One of them was saved. One of them just flashed wide, uh, if memory serves. So, uh, but yeah, plenty to... Um, Plenty to pick out there for highlight. Hello, Jay from New York Rovers here. Wanted to share my recap of the season. Uh, my best memory was being able to take my daughter to see Rovers for the first time. We went to both the men's and women's match and saw two nil-nil draws. Fun. Uh, the women's match was actually her first ever live football match, and she just couldn't believe how fast the players were moving, so, so that was really cool. The high of the season would have to be beating West Ham in the cup, and the low would have to be the two 95th minute equalizers in four days. Made worse for me personally by the fact that my boyhood baseball team announced an MK Dons-like move to Las Vegas right in the middle. On uh, brighter news, Rovers actually met my overly optimistic predictions for the season, and since I can apparently speak things into existence, I'll need to predict a treble next year. Massive, massive thank you to Bradley Dack for all he's done for the club. And now let's just smash this transfer window, release a beautiful kit, and get on with the march to promotion next year. As I started to record this, news came through about Bradley Dack. It was pretty clear he'd become somewhat peripheral, uh, but I would have liked to have seen him given another year. I still think he could do a good job as a squad member. I might as well continue with another farewell, Ben Brereton Diaz. What a story that was, a real zero to hero fairy tale. It was sad that it had to end with such a poor run of form during the latter part of the season, but a fitting finale at Millwall to see him off. I hate early kickoffs. It means 7.30 here in Eastern Canada, and I'm not an early riser. But it would have been worth it to beat Burnley. And then I get out of bed early to watch the Preston game. The next early kickoff was Rotherham. I hate early kickoffs even more now. An easy win is great, but not always exciting. You can't beat the excitement of a late equaliser or winner. The West Ham Cup game was one of those with the Diaz late equaliser. And who would ever have expected Rovers to win a penalty shootout 10-9? Another late show was the Luton game with Carter's equaliser. That got me out of my chair. And when Sammy Schmodix released that shot, I was on my feet celebrating prematurely. Finally, four players I look forward to seeing at Rovers for ages. Hyam, Carter, Joe Rankin-Costello and the wonderful Adam Horton. Something to look forward to next season. Matt, I'll stay with you here. As I mentioned before, about obviously with highlights, there has to come lowlights and any fair review of the season must cover both. So I'll come to you now. There's a few obvious ones to choose from. Uh, are you going to go for the easy option and mention a, a certain East Lancashire derby from, from November? 
you're sort of half there. I think my it's slightly a little bit different. I mean, I'm clearly still bitter about it, but mine's actually from the other derby where um, I thought, you know, we put a valiant effort in, we, we worked hard and I think we were quite unlucky, but my specific moment and sort of memory that really sits with me and I just, I think about it every day is when the ball comes into the box and Ashley Barnes' arms come out, arm comes out and it hits his arm. It's a handball. It was right in front of me. I don't think I've ever been as mad about anything that's happened at football I was so I was so frustrated and and you know it was just it felt like we weren't getting any luck we weren't getting any rub of the green and that sort of just topped it off for me and it was it was when when he stuck his arm out and it hit his arm and I personally thought it was a clear handball it that that was when the season just was gone for me I think I, I tried and I hoped after that but that that moment there it just yeah I don't like thinking about it never mind talking about it uh, we, that will obviously raise another question on potential VAR in the championship. Uh, would VAR have given that? Would VAR or should VAR be in the, the championship? Well, I, I think there's 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 a few decisions um, involving arms and hands that VAR would certainly have given us this season, and I, and I think that that obviously that comes from a biased point of view. But I think if 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 fans see on Twitter and things the incidents what what happen in every championship game, I suppose it's not just ours, but I think. VAR would definitely set those right, but the problems that come with it, I'm not sure if 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 it makes it a uh, a positive inclusion for the league or not. Whether whether I'd like it or not, whether it'd be useful or not, but yeah, I'm I'm very much at the point of view. Mistakes are sort of a part of the game, I guess, and you get some for you, you get some against you, and as fans, we always think there's more against you. But Ryan, I'll come to you on the way back through. Um, we've spoke about highlights, some low lights for you. What stands out to, for you this season? Well, it's human nature, isn't it? It's focused on the negatives. Um, I've picked mine based on uh, the fact it caused me actual physical pain. So there's been plenty of mental anguish this season. But when Dom Hyam's own goal went in, I actually felt a knife into my mm. stomach. It was just a shocking moment. I think that Rovers second half performance in particular was the perfect away second half performance. We dominated them, got the goal. We're looking like we're going to win the game. And just that 25-second passage of play, you know. <laughs> Firstly, yeah. Ryan Hedges could have done anything else than what he actually did, and we mm. win that game. And then for the ball just to be slung down the pitch and then a couple of errors. And for Dom Hyam, you know, player of the season, to put the ball in the back of the net, which has ultimately handed Coventry a place in the playoffs. You could have yeah. looked at it like that. <laughs> when that goal went in, it literally caused me physical pain and it's making my, the hair on the back of my neck stand up now just thinking about that sorry, sorry moment. So that for me is actually when I look back, even though I didn't admit it at the time because I was still happy clapping, mm. that for me is when the playoff push ended with that goal coming after the Coventry goal. That's actually when it was all said and done when the high moan goal went in. Yeah, it's a tough week that week, wasn't it? Very looking back, it, it did. It felt big at the time, didn't it? Uh, generally, in football, when something feels big at the time, it generally is big in the long run. So, uh, yeah, certainly something that uh, we won't remember with any fondness. Our trip to Deepdale this season, Linz. Uh, come to you next again for a low light of the season. What uh, immediately springs to mind? I can't believe everybody hasn't said that East Lang's derby at Turf Moor. I mean, if we're talking about physical pain. Mm -hmm. has has there ever been anything more painful it was horrific from start to finish and yeah I think that for me is the turning point in the season we go into that game we can be top for the world cup break and 
the hammerers, the the, the setup was wrong. The atmosphere was wrong. The crowd was weird. The vibe was weird. The team was weird. It it was a disgrace. It was an absolute disgrace. I didn't like the way they spoke afterwards. We then had that huge, obviously, period of time while people were off on the international break. And then we came back. We got trounced by Preston in the mm-hmm. snow. Um, so if we're talking about turning points in the season, that was it for me and whilst weirdly the performances seemed to get better after that actually results wise we watched people around us fly and we started to falter so for me there needed to be a lot of learning about that and I have a difficult relationship with JDT and a lot of it comes from those decisions that day well we'll we'll certainly come on to that I mean interestingly you mentioned about the lineup you could argue, I suppose, that Thomas Kaminsky hasn't been the same since that game. He had a bad run coming back from the World Cup, obviously then got injured, dropped, didn't get his position back. And I suppose the real head scratcher, which everyone will be thinking, I'm sure, in the back of their mind somewhere, will be that Clinton Moeller makes his only appearance of the season, and let's face it, probably his only ever start, should I say, not appearance, start, for Blackburn Rovers in the Lancashire Derby away at, at Turf Moor. Oh, Jake Garrett plays in the middle of the park. It's some real odd decisions in that game. I mean, I, mean, you... I think we have to say in Moller's defence, not words you'll hear come out of my mouth very often, he did actually play all right at West Ham. And I think as much as the performance at West Ham was joyous, as I've said, I actually think that changed some of JDT's mindset. And for a man that is probably the most stubborn man I've never met, but feel like I know very well, mm-hmm. I, I do think that performance made him perhaps change the lineup. And he more than anyone was a victim of that because it it was it was a disgrace. And whatever he goes on to do at Rovers, that result will haunt him and will haunt us. And and he has to to carry that, unfortunately. And do you feel as though I mean the sliding doors moment that you mentioned before? Do you think that's why Burnley went on to be what they became, I mean, they probably would have gone on and been competitive and been up there. No, anyway, I mean, but... they've been sensational, haven't they? As much as I feel like I want to wash my mouth out having said that, they have been utterly sensational. However, we needed to take those four weeks to come back and make a statement. And the statement we made was getting battered by our other. And it's mm. one of the few games, it's the only second game ever that I've left early because, it, again, it was the disgrace. And I'm not willing to pay. I don't, can't remember what they were charging. Then I've got a season ticket, but what were they charging? 30, 35 quid to Something watch like that. that. Yeah. It's embarrassing. And and that, for me, was the sliding doors moment. Not our noisy neighbours, but actually how we reacted to that was so, so poor. And the lack of mentality and the lack of leadership is a theme throughout the season I think when times have got tough who in the dressing room has stepped up James come to you next do you echo Lindsay's sentiments there or anything that Ryan or Matthew said uh, thus far what's your low light of the season I agree with all um, but Preston at home stands out to me obviously first game back after the World Cup break and after the demolition by the lob down the M65 it was I thought they'd have a bit of fire in their belly I thought they'd They'd want it more, but we were just dreadful. Everything about that game was just awful. And it took me three hours to get on. <laughs> it was just it was just a dread, dreadful day altogether. Um, and in- England lost, of course. And, England, and then England lost. And and I will touch on the Burnley game. I had to go into work the day after, and I worked with four Burnley fans who were all avid Burnley fans. All I got season tickets. <laughs> so going into work the next day was... Just wanted the world to swallow me up. Preston at home really sticks out to me as a really, really bad one. Another fair comment. 
the most heart-sinking moment of the season, oh, without doubt, was the FA Cup um, quarter-final against Sheffield United. Um, made worse because one of my best friends from uni is a, a, a mad blade. Um, so we were we were messaging beforehand and she was messaging me during the game saying, you know, just about how good Rovers were and how kind of it was in our hands. And I think I'd been lulled into that false sense of thinking, hang on a minute here, we could be going to Wembley twice. And yeah, just the the capitulation, the last minute goal, even though it was another stunner. They always happen to be stunners, don't they? Um, other than Preston. Um, that that really kind of took the wind out of my sails. But that was a great game for 75 minutes. Um, and I will remember that a lot. Um, that's my key takeaway. Uh, Ian, I'll come back to you just to finish off the uh, sort of highlight and lowlight section of the podcast this week. Uh, plenty of strong opinions and plenty of valid opinions come from the rest of the panel. Do you, do you agree there? Well, absolutely. I mean, the greatest hits have already been mentioned. There's one other match that I'll bring to the mix, though, and Ryan may start to chuckle when I mention this, and that's Rotherham away, which started off brilliantly with a group of us meeting in uh, meeting for brunch, how very middle class, how very 21st century football supporter. We had brunch, but we did have it in Rotherham. So that, that sort of like levels yeah. it out, I think. You've got the, the middle class aspiration of brunch, but it was in Rotherham. And we'd had a right old chat around the table and we put the world to rights and we determined how we were going to win the game and who was going to score the goals. And I think one of the last things we sort of said, well, yeah, we just need to keep it tight at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, don't give anything. Oh, hang on a minute. <laughs> Bang. 1-0. Oh, okay. And then the game unfolded and there's sort of like a, a, a back channel Twitter feed that we were both in watching reading this feed of people watching on tv and there's one person in particular who i won't name but ryan and i will both remember this is sort of say this isn't a bad performance all all the key stats are there you know these goals are flukes ping two nil no it really isn't a bad performance but it looks pretty bad from where i'm sat here. no 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 we've got lots of possession all the keys are bang three nil are you sure it's not a bad performance? Because it really feels like a bad performance. So you know what they're saying? If it looks, yeah, if it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, it's a duck. Well, it looked like a bad performance. It felt like a bad performance. And as far as I'm concerned, that was that was a real low point because we kicked off. I think at, on lunchtime, I think Rotherham were, mm. if not in the bottom three, they were desperate to escape. And yet again, you know, following on from the Burnley debacle and the Preston fiasco, that just rounded it off for me. But having said that. If you ever want brunch in Rotherham, tap me up in my DMs and I'll tell you the cafe that we went to because it was really good. Of course, another interesting team selection that day. And of course, I think that was the last time we saw Kaminsky. Is that right? Or certainly Kaminsky was at fault for um, one of the goals straight from the corner, wasn't it? Uh, and uh, Dylan Markandy even played that day, which yeah. uh, actually looked okay off the bench. Which and I likened fun. him to a pound shop, Riyad Mahrez, uh, well, which I think raised the chuckle. And then we packed him off on loan where he played, what was it, six minutes, seven minutes? Of something like Quality that, yeah. loan time. So obviously he'll come back a far, far better player than he left. But, oh my word, yes. Not not yeah. one of our finest days. It has to Roger, be if, uh, if I can just add, yes. just to, add to that game, second half it wasn't just no shots on target it was no shots like i think <laughs> no. that needs underlining <laughs> no shots in the second half when you're one nil down away from home absolute disgrace 
Steve Keane yeah, away at Spurs, wasn't it, really? I mean, I know Rotherham's a close game for you, Ryan, but do you ever feel as though next time Rovers are in Rotherham, you sort of should take one for the team and just miss the game? Just to sort of, you know, if Rovers had a key playoff game at Rotherham, would you, would you sit it out? I think I've got a duty to do that because the one time that we've beaten Rotherham, I think in the last however many years it is, I wasn't there. And then all the other times I have been there. So I've got a duty to Rovers fans to dodge that one. Just takes the mick, doesn't it? My closest championship ground and we can't win there. I mean, it's not even fair. Yeah. Oh, plenty to uh, ponder there. Uh, we'd obviously like to know your highlights and lowlights to the season, which you can join in on the threads on the brfcs.com forums, where you can find a whole lot more on there also. Uh, join us in section two, where we'll be back to talk more on the season review. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Some people take the straight path in life. But at Arizona State University, we respect your twists and turns. They make our online students more driven to excel in their professional lives. That's why our personalized suite of services empowers you with innovative resources and staff that sticks with you. Make your next turn with one of our 300-plus programs at ASU, number one in innovation for nine consecutive years. Visit us at asuonline.asu.edu to learn more. Welcome back to the 4,000 Holes podcast. This is the big old end of season review podcast. We've got an extended panel and we've got lots of opinions, so let's get straight into it. This section, we're going to be doing our Ofsted report on Greg, but we're going to start with JDT. So what I want each of our panellists to do is to give us a grade for their performance during the season and just give us a succinct end-of-term report, the sort of things that your teachers used to write about you and used to hide from your parents when you brought your report card home. So we'll start off with JDT, and I'm going to come to Matt first of all. Matt, what grade are you going to give JDT for his first season in charge of Rovers? When, when you look at it and you look at the, the squad that he inherited and the things that needed to be done in, on the training ground and, and what, what needed to change, I think he, he did. He's done, he's done a good job. I would say he's done... He's done better than than most Rovers fans would have thought. I mean, I had us down for maybe not a relegation fight, but probably just above there. If in, in my in my head when I was thinking properly, I know my uh, predictions in the predictions podcast will will say otherwise, but that was my optimism. I'm going to give him a, a B plus, um, and and my sort of strapline comment for that will be um, so, something about him being young and and you'll make better decisions as as you get older and. You go through school and everything like that. You, you get better with time. Mature like a fine wine. Thank you for that, Matt. James, give us a grade. Tell us what uh, you write on JDT's report card. I'd give him a B. I think highest highest finish since we got relegated from the Prem stands in good stead. Some of the football we've played is also standing in good stead, but what I'd write is questionable in-game decisions need correcting. Very good. Thank you for that. Rog? You can be panellist then. Oh, uh, what grade uh, quite, are you going to give, JD? I quite like it on this side of yeah, the fence. Yeah, it's different, um, isn't it? <laughs> I think, yeah, B, again, B. Uh, 
it's so hard because if, if you think about, I mean, I was at, I've said before, I was on the train on the way back from Celtic preseason where he'd been in a week. We hadn't signed any players. We'd been linked with this load of managers in the summer. Were we going to get somebody like a Duncan Ferguson or were we going to get a Gareth Ainsworth or was it going to be a Paul Warren, who was one of the names, Daniel Farker and uh, what's the, the chap who actually ended up at um, David Wagner, who ends up at Norwich. Who were we going to have? We hadn't signed anybody. Dak wasn't fit. Brereton, was he staying? Was he going? And naturally, I was thinking, hang on a minute, we could be, we could be really dragged into something here. And if you'd have said to me, oh, you're going to have a decent cup run and you're going to be a you know, Preston say, let's mid-table. You're never going to be threatened with relegation, but you're never going to be pushing for promotion. I'd have probably taken that. And of course, this is the stereotypical that no one ever comes up to you before the start of the season and offers you something. I'm still waiting to walk into the first game of the season to be some like street seller with a, with a suitcase outside. Someone from the EFL doing deal or no deal. Yeah, <laughs> would, like, hello, Roger, would you take this? Would you take this? Um, but um, yeah, he, he's got he's got room to improve. Um, he's made some good choices, some bad choices, but I certainly feel if he's not the manager in the first of on the first of July or the first of August, if he's not the manager for the first game of the season, I will be upset with that, and I will feel as though it will be back to square one. Uh, so I, I feel as though let's see where he is at the end of next season. If we have another season like what we've had, then perhaps it might be a C or or, or a B minus, perhaps, but. On the face of it, he's had a very successful season. It's been an enjoyable season to be a Rovers fan, even with what's gone on towards the end. Uh, so yeah, B, mm, B plus. Interesting one. Yeah, Linz, what would you put on JDT's report card? Oh, I'm going to have to upset everybody, aren't I? Um, B minus for me. I um, I don't really get him, and I know that's controversial because everybody loves him. But ultimately, we had a hundred odd days or whatever it was in the top six. And yes, if you'd said to me pre-season, you can finish 12th and have a couple of really nice cup runs, I'd have bit your hand off. But that isn't the reality of our season. The reality of our season is we've done what we always do and really, really pushed it. And then, let me choose my language carefully, mucked it up. And I do think an element of that is the way they say that like Spurs are Spursy. I think Rovers are a bit Roversy, and there is something in the club and in the mentality of the club that leads us to these situations. So I don't necessarily think that's his fault, but I just personally don't connect with him in a way that I do other people at the club. I struggle with some of his rhetoric. I don't necessarily buy into some of his vision. His in-game management is poor. I don't necessarily like the way he freezes people out because I think some players really benefit from that. And I think other players need an arm around the shoulder and good management is being able to do both. And I get a ton of grief for this every time I say it, but I need to speak my truth. And yeah, um, I'm, that's I'm not why sure. you're on the podcast, Linz. I think it's an interesting observation. I, I have to say, I think this season has been a difficult watch. I don't, yeah, we, we, we only scored four goals once and that was on the last day in really quite bizarre circumstances. And I think that's really weird. Yeah, and, and I do, having been there on the last day, as as amazing as the second half performance was from us, you could sense in the air that they were feeling the pressure. And as much as Rovers thrived, I think Millwall did capitulate a little bit. And maybe Millwall yeah. were a bit millwall yeah. Um, I don't know. But equally, our team plays best when they are free to do so. And by the time we were playing really fluidly and banging the goals in, we knew that the playoffs had gone. Sunderland had already scored their yeah. goals and that gave our boys the freedom to do that 
that and that comes back to a mentality thing and that's where I would like to see JDT make the improvement to actually instead of being grateful to be sick tell those boys they've got a right to be sick they're good enough to be sick we're not telling them they're going to be first and actually I'd love them to be but we're talking about sixth in a playoff fight with teams who have got less budget arguably less better squads and we're almost like hanging on to people's coattails being grateful for that well if you're asking me to spend 100 quid a week to go and watch this I don't want to be grateful for it I want to enjoy it and I've probably enjoyed less than five performances this season I love you guys I love the days out I love the booze I love the fun I love my friends but actually what's on the pitch if I'm watching at home I don't love it and we make out this like JDT ball is a thing it's me with my hands over my face thinking why are we playing out from the back when we're not good enough to do so and waiting for 65 minutes for the subs to come on like we used to do with Mowbray and he used to get pelters for that the world used to explode when the 65th minute came and he brought his subs on JDT does it and it's like oh yeah wonderful yeah the difference now is we got five subs you see so there's there's all those like I think JDT is a lot more fashionable isn't he like He's good looking. He's different. He's not my type, to be clear. He's good looking. (laughs) He's he's like foreign. He speaks well. He's got a clear identity. But like identity has to be a plan A, a plan B and a plan C. And the A he gets. But where is the B and the C? Um, So, so yeah, I'm sorry to like break everybody's hearts. And when he gets us promoted next season, I'll give him an A plus (laughs) and I'll take it all back. But there will be nothing nicer than rerunning this clip this time next year. And you know, you can do that to me because if we get promoted next season, I'll be on like the open top bus. I won't be listening to the pod. I will be like, I don't know, doing something with a trophy. So that's fine. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a work in progress for Podcast panelists admit she won't be listening to own podcast there. Because I'll be celebrating. I don't think anybody will be listening to it if we got promoted, (laughs) would they? Surely we'd all be having a JDT bomb somewhere, right? Let's go to another podcast host. Uh, Ryan, then, fresh from the inside Brockle. That must be one of your highlights of the season, getting that up and running. Yeah, it's been good, that. What report card entry would you give JDT? Where do you stand there? Yeah, I think everyone's made some really valid points on here. So I think James, Roger and, and Matt, if you're viewing this at the start of the season and with Tony Mowbray going and all the change and churn, I think a B plus or whatever is absolutely fair. But I think I'm with Linz on this. I think we have missed one hell of an opportunity this season. And to miss out on goal difference, you know, we can pin any number of games where we get that extra point this season as a result of some of the decisions that JDT has made. Um, he was a breath of fresh air when he came in after, you know, lovely Tony and his, his Northern voice at the end of the season. It's absolutely what we needed. Um, but I cannot forget some of the away performances in particular this season. It's as bad as I've seen Rovers in the last 10 years. Some of those one nils away from home in particular, you know, I think Wigan, I think Cardiff, I think Reading, which was 3-0, the Rotherham game that you spoke about, Ian. Some of those performances, you know, I'm not going to beat around the bush. They were unacceptable performances. You know, I know people can, you know, like or not like XG and things like that. But when you look at some of the stats of those games, when you see what's in front of you, everything about some of those performances was completely unacceptable. And for me, I think we've missed an opportunity as a result of some of the stuff that Linz was talking about, just some of the stubbornness in the selection, the random freezing of players, uh, Clinton Moller at Turf Moor, all these types of things are just weird and strange decisions. So it's a B minus because I think it's his first championship job. 
we've got to give him credit for the stuff that he's done. And for us to be seventh, it has exceeded expectations. But I adjust my expectations based on what's in front of me this season. And we have absolutely missed an opportunity. And if you want the report card stuff, it is Yondal plays with Tyler too much in the playground. He needs to play more with Adam. I think that's what I would do. Let's hope he's here next season to do that. We we may come on to that in, in, in due course. For what it's worth, I think I put him down as a B. In the, the pre-season um, preview that I wrote for Loft for Words, I, I tipped us to be 14th. And that was that, that was me being super optimistic because I really, really worried that we had a rookie manager and we had a very raw squad. I think to get us up there and competing was extraordinary. And I'm still not quite sure how we did it because I think the points that you've all made, it you look at the data, that, that's one set of information, but just the eye test of watching us. And for large parts of the season, it was a tough watch. I, I, I've watched Rovers under Steve Keane, Sam Allardyce, and going back, you know, Jim Eiley back in the days, for those of you that are old enough to remember that. It's been a tough watch. We haven't really fired on all cylinders that many times. That's why the Swansea away win, um, I think, stands out. And when we've been horrid, we've been really, really bad. But that said, I think it, you know, to, to get us up there, missing out on goal difference was extraordinary. Um, I wonder how much of the blame, shall we say, for us not getting into that top six position can be attributed to our performance in January. So let's move the debate on now to one Greg Broughton. So he's been at the club not quite 12 months yet, talks a fine game, and on the time that we're recording this, he's put a 30-minute video out with Radio Lanks, which... I think you describe a straight talking is not sort of uh, glossing over any of the issues that we face. But I'm just interested to see from our panellists what they think of Greg's performance and what would they say on his report card. So I'm going to start with Roger. Roger, what would you write on Greg's report? Well, I mean, you've hit the nail on the head, haven't you? You can't look past January. That's what's going to be remembered. And unfortunately, he's let himself down or he's carried the can, which... Unfortunately, as all managers know at some point, if it's not your fault, you have to accept the blame. And I'm sure it wasn't his fault, but he stood up, stepped up to the plate and, and bore the responsibility of that. Now, whether or not the argument of should we have signed Lewis O'Brien and Ethan Briarley, or should we have signed a striker? In fact, as we're recording the podcast tonight, uh, Dennis Undav has scored an own goal for Brighton away at Newcastle, and he was meant to be coming to Rovers, and yet he's now scoring in the Premier League. So do we blame him for not coming? Uh, apparently it was all there and the terms have been agreed and he, he didn't want to come. And I'm sure we don't, as fans, get to know 10%, even 5% of what goes on with the transfer dealings. But I was more confident going into January than I am coming out of January with Greg. I think you need someone like him at the club. There needs to be a figurehead, somebody who can come and speak and speak to the fans and speak to the the average punter uh, on Radio Langshire or Rover's uh, website. But yeah, I mean, it's January, isn't it? And he has to play catch up now with his reputation and he has to make big signings this summer, I think, to, to win back that favour. And again, I'm sure in 12 months' time we'll be having a much different conversation on Greg, Bro- uh, Greg Broughton. But unfortunately, for some good work I'm sure he's done behind the scenes, obviously we've got a, a head of recruitment in now. We seem to have got the scouting network. Oh, another head of recruitment. <laughs> another head of recruitment. There seems to be 
players have improved under him. Obviously, the coaching's obviously good. We've seen the rise of Rankin Costello and, and Hayden Carter coming in. And there is obviously this. So if he's in charge of everything that goes on at Brockle, Brockle seems to be doing some things right. There's there's no question about that. But yeah, it's a big year from him. Probably a C minus or, or a D plus, I think. And the January incident will be his Rovers obituary unless something changes and quick. That's fair. That's fair. Lynn's coming to you then. You were you were most vocal on JDT, and I'm going to ask you now how much of that down marking of JDT is down to Greg's performance and I mean most Daniel. vocal. Wow, Ian, most thank vocal. you. Um, JDT is very clear that he doesn't get embroiled in such things, which isn't necessarily a model I agree with. But you know, I'm not in charge at Rovers, and I think for all of that, we're truly grateful. Um, I don't think Lewis O'Brien changes the season particularly. I think the Lewis O'Brien saga became an opportunity for us all, including myself, to vent about the numerous issues at Rovers. Um, And I think Greg became a little bit of a figurehead for that. Um, So we don't have hashtag ask Greg anymore because you can now ask him. Um, But the dude's a businessman, isn't he? And I, you know, I don't mix in the business world. I was just watching him today thinking like, you just feel very corporate this is a job for you but I'm a fan I'm here because I love this club you don't love this club this club is a business opportunity and your job is to come in and do the best of your ability so you can move on I thought that was very interesting when he said we're all commodities we're all here yeah we're all looking to move on fair play I respect the honesty but ultimately the six of us here tonight and everyone watching the interview is watching it as a fan we'll be here forever and my issue on a broader note is that there isn't someone engaging with us there's a manager engaging with the players there's a Greg engaging with recruitment Rovers don't have anyone engaging with this fan base that has great work going on it, you know, Rovers chat, the work Ryan does, fans who want to help, fans who want to contribute, fans who have ideas, fans that could push this club forward, and there's no one listening. So Greg's fine by me. I don't really know what Greg does. I'm sure, you know, he's doing his best. Um, but there's a gap between JDT, Greg, and us for me. And in my time supporting Rovers, certainly in the last, well, since the, the days we don't talk about, I've never felt more detached from the club than I do now mm. I don't know where we as fans fit and I don't think that's Greg's role to fit it but I think some of Greg's decisions lead us to to voice that I suppose yeah, and I yeah. think Lewis O'Brien was an example of that so can do better must do better but is ultimately restricted by you know he was very clear today we need to sell and yeah. who are our saleable assets and that's another that's another question I guess because I don't know who's coming in for for some of our players what he has done really well if I'm going to try and be positive is obviously there's a lot of long-term contracts signed and I think we do need to acknowledge that yeah we need to get Joe ranking do better must do better well he he said didn't he it's close um so that would be that would be lovely but again we need the JRC of the last six months and I truly hope he can continue that my concern with JRC is if he signs a long-term deal and we get the JRC of the last three or four years have we again committed to somebody who perhaps can't maintain that fitness but I pray that he can because he has been such a joy this season and seems like such a nice lad absolutely absolutely Ryan what, what do you say about Greg's performance yeah, I think I'm somewhere um, alongside Roger and Linz with that. So um, C- is where I think I have it. So C- 
few things. I think absolutely we need a role like Greg's at the club. I think we've been crying out for a strategy and a plan. And, you know, it's been absolutely unforgivable to lose players like Daryl Enihan on a free. So if Greg's going to help sort that with the contracts and things like that, absolutely. Um, we need his role. And I do expect him to come good. I think the positives, as Lynn says, is all the contracts and the proactivity on that. You have to give him credit for that. I think he is a good communicator and I do connect with him with the stuff that he's saying. So I think, you know, great that he's he's pushing all the stuff out that he's doing. Um, but ultimately, he's judged on the actions and January was a complete failure. And, and Linz, I actually do think if we had got Lewis O'Brien, it would have made a difference because I think we ended that season with John Buckley injured, Tyler Morton injured, Lewis Travis woefully out of form, JRC fit in on the final day of the season. And there were some games like Hull at home, nil-nil, other games where you just think, a Lewis O'Brien in the middle of the park, is he the key that can unlock the but box? But does he play him, Ryan? This is the problem. Is Woody have played him? And we True. don't know this because there are other players who I would argue could have unlocked the box way before they were yeah. let out of the box that JDT hasn't. And I think I don't understand enough about the workings of football to know how much... Who who picked O'Brien? Did JDT want him? Did Greg want him? Was it just this very good player was available and they've rushed to get him? I suspect Absolutely. there's more of the latter than we'd perhaps like to admit. Because I, yeah. I suspect in January there are all sorts of communications going around between clubs and agents saying this is who we've got available. And a lot of that happens typically in the last 48 hours of the window because yeah. clubs will look and sort of say, this guy's not going to play for the next four months or we could send him out on loan. So, yeah, uh, an email goes out, and then a load of clubs go, hang on a minute, such a body is available now, and we'll move really, really quickly. But that January fiasco, for me, is what must... Somebody has to carry the can for that. I think he... um, He said he he was accountable, didn't he, if not responsible. Totally, and he would have been a smashing signing. And I think the biggest failing is actually the striker, isn't it? Because as much as I have adored seeing Harry Leonard make his debut, you know, he should have been nowhere near the first team because of the fact that we didn't have that striker. So that is a failing. And if we're going to put something on the report, Cardian, it's Greg would have done better, but he missed two key bits of coursework and would have got a higher grade (laughs) had he handed them in on time. That's his report card, isn't it? Well done. Matt, what's your report card for Greg? Yeah, I think um, sort of similarly to what Lynn said, I don't fully understand what he does. Um, I've not had time to watch the half an hour interview yet or or digest any of the information that's come from it. Um, so mine is sort of very much based on, on January. Um, so it's not a good grade for Greg. I'm going to give him a D minus. Um, I think I am someone that when I see we're linked with someone that I like, I uh, get myself very attached to the thought of them playing for the club, like like every fan would, I suppose. And Lewis O'Brien, Undav. Now, I, I knew quite a lot about Undav because um, I had a friend who likes doing research on players playing abroad, so I knew a lot about what he's done. Yeah, like like Ryan said, I, I agree with the point about um, I thought Lewis O'Brien, I think he probably would have changed it, but Ultimately, a striker is what we were lacking. The amount of times that maybe Sorber Thomas beat a man and put a good ball into the box, that was when he wasn't finding the side netting. We would have done very well with a, a competent striker up there who could who could finish him off. But I mean, I think there's there's loads of clubs that, w- that would say the same thing. I think there's a bit of a shortage of decent strikers now. And the decent strikers are out there, want to be playing in the Premier League. They don't want to come like Undav. He wants to be playing in the Premier League. He didn't want to come here. So... 
yeah, Greg gets a D minus from me, and his sort of his note would be um, post Christmas. He let himself down massively, and he <laughs> let um, a big group of, of football fans down as well. Absolutely, James, to round it off, stick the boot in, Greg. <laughs> Middle of the road, C. I think he's done a lot of good work getting all the young players tied down to long-term contracts after the fiascos with Diaz, Lenihan, Mayambe. Um, I think, well, I hope that'll be the last we see of that. I can't look past that January window. I, it was a total farce. It absolutely. Was, it was just absolutely ridiculous from day one to day 31. It was just horrendous. Um, so he's got a big sum on his hands to try and get some fans back on side. Um, if I was going to put anything on the report card, it would be fix a fax machine. <laughs> Very good. So that's the end of part two. We'll come back in part three when Roger will take the reins once again to facilitate the panel. You are listening to the 4000 Holes podcast, brought to you by the people at brfcs.com and sponsored by the lovely people at the Terrace. Podcast Network. My name's Erin Griffin, and I'm in the online ABSN program. Marymount University is preparing Erin for her nursing career. My professors really want me to succeed. My experience with Marymount has been really great. She's studying online and will be graduating in just 16 months. Getting that hands-on experience is really helpful, and I feel ready to go out in person and practice my clinical skills. Virginia needs nurses. Make a career change and make a difference. Visit virginiacareerchange.com for more details. virginiacareerchange.com It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mate's already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.